Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time. Your health on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. I'm Elliot Danker. It's time now for Your Health, where we take a look at personal health issues and we even talk about the business of health. Well, today we'll talk about why a lot of couples in Singapore are not pursuing IVF because of cost. Well, it's not something I'm looking out for as a married man, uh, but I do have friends who share this particular concern. Plus, there are a lot of misconceptions around IVF as well. I don't really understand it a whole lot. So the best thing to do is to speak with an expert. And on the line with me is Dr. Janice Tung, consultant, Thompson Fertility Centre. Dr. Janice, how are you? Hello. Hi. Thanks for having me. This is going to be an interesting topic. I'll try my best to get through it. But I guess to start us off, you know, the notion of IVF and the time period it takes, the commitment it takes, outside of that, um, there is this issue of cost. Could you share with us, you know, generally what, what are your patients' concerns when it comes to cost? How much does it cost and what exactly does it cover when we sign up for this? It's true because of the technology nowadays. So the whole process of IVF itself physically has become more convenient, less difficult. So um, in general, the whole um, idea of IVF and all that physically has become um, better. But of course, therefore, cost becomes the main issue now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a good range would be fifteen thousand to eighteen thousand dollars, but mm. it can be very wide ranging because um, different ladies will need a different amount of medication. Uh, and duration of treatment. So range can be very big between like 10000 to $20,000 in the end. When you sign up or talk to a consultant about IVF, usually what happens before that, I'm, and really I'm coming from a person that doesn't understand, do you look at things like, okay, how many eggs are available? What are the percentage chances? I sound a bit Singaporean asking all of this, but what are your thoughts? Yes. So, I mean, the most basic we look at is age. Okay. Of course, in Singapore, in order to do IVF treatment, you have to be married. Um, after that, yeah, we look at the age of the lady especially. So that would have some uh, bearing on her egg reserves, her ovarian reserves. We can do a blood test to check on her egg count. What we cannot measure is egg quality. So the egg count will sort of predict uh, how many eggs we can get in one IVF cycle and therefore okay. her chances. Since we cannot measure equality, we use her age as a sort of a surrogate marker for equality. So the older oh. you are, the more likely your equality would be very poor. And so someone like 26, 28 versus early 30s versus late you know, 39, 40 mm. or even above 40. So in these cases, then um, the older you are, the more eggs we expect to need in order to have a success because of the poorer equality. All right. That makes a lot of sense. Mm. Dr. Janice, so we've talked about the cost of going for IVF treatment, um, I suppose a typical Singaporean would ask, um, is there anything in my citizenship to my advantage? And what I mean is, uh, can I can I use MediSafe for this? Yes. So you can use uh, MediSafe to cover IVF treatment. The general guide is um, 6000 for the first cycle, $5,000 for the second cycle, and 4000 for the third cycle. And you can only use one MediSafe account like, between the two of you. Okay. That so helps that, quite a bit. Um, yeah, that helps quite a bit. Um, but of course, I mean, even if you take 15000 or even 12000 on the lower end, minus 6000 it's still not 
support. I mean, it's not the most affordable treatment, honestly. Yes. So, um, mm. if you have, uh, if you are a Singaporean citizen or Singaporean PR, um, if you go and seek IVF treatment at a public IVF center, that means an IVF center within like the public institutions such as uh, KK, uh, SGH, or NUH, then you will be eligible for a government grant subsidy, which is separate from the Medisafe. So this government grant subsidy aims to make IVF more affordable for the average population. So your out-of-pocket payment is definitely significantly lower because the government grant subsidy, for instance, if you're a Singaporean citizen for both in the couple, then um, I think you get about 75%. Oh, wow. So it's, it's quite significant. And of course, it's limited to the first three. There's a limitation on it, the first three cycles. Okay. Yeah, and and it's interesting you bring that up first three cycles because also you can go through uh one full treatment of IVF and I mean this is a bit of a caveat you still might not be successful. I I have a a, a relative yeah, who went through that mm. overseas. Uh, and she's getting older, so she's getting a bit more stressed about it. Mm, yes, definitely. So therefore, um, a lot of the times in the private centres, therefore our populations can't really be um, compared because who we see more in the private sectors are uh, older ladies mm. sometimes and uh, ladies who may have filled um, several cycles beforehand because they have utilised the grant already in the public institution so they come out to the private centres. Are there uh, hidden costs or additional costs that one should prepare themselves for when they go into this, apart from the fact that you might not succeed the first time round? So it's very case-by-case basis. Basically, if you are, for instance, uh, overweight or Mm -hmm. bigger, Mm -hmm. then you may need more medication because it's about a weight distribution thing, um, the hormone injections and Ah. your weight. Uh, You will need more medications and hence uh, incur more costs. And then, as I mentioned, more than one cycle may be needed for a conceivable chance of success. So really, some financial perseverance is necessary in some cases. I mean, besides the mental side of things. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Janice, so I, I want to talk a little bit about financial, maybe people who are trying to make that decision. And, and do pardon me, I, I'm really coming from a point where uh, I'm just guessing here. Do, do we see higher success rates when we compare private hospitals to public hospitals? Is, is that a fair question to ask? It's very difficult to compare because the success rate depends on the individual, the condition that the individual has, the indication for IVF in the first place. So I often tell patients a general quotation of the success rate for the centre means nothing to them because mm. it's not necessarily applicable to them. You know, their case, their condition, or even age, just, just yeah, the age. Yeah. So the general success rate of the centre, it informs you about the credibility of the centre and its laboratory in okay. providing that IVF treatment and service. I mean, provided that whatever um, data they gave you is honest and reliable. Yeah, but it does not refer to the patient's success rate. So there is um, most centers' success rates um, should range something between 30-40% to maybe uh, slightly above 50% Yeah, for mm. certain uh, individuals whose uh, uh, indication is, for instance, uh, you know, low sperm count with a young lady. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, these will have definitely much higher success rates. So, yeah. the thing is, everyone's centers would range somewhere there. And the idea of monitoring and for the individual centers to monitor and make sure that their success rates maintain at these levels is so that they will not they will know that nothing's going wrong with their, you know, system processes, their laboratory work or their medication. 
So that's the reason why they should monitor their success rates. But it's not applicable to the individual, the success rate. Uh, just to elaborate a little bit more, if I were to ask what the main differences between seeking IVF treatment at a private hospital versus public hospital, cost aside, what are we looking at here? Yes, so um, there are a few main differences. One is the waiting time to start a cycle. So um, in the private centre, obviously, it's a lot faster. You could start with the very next menstrual cycle, for instance, whereas at a public hospital, there's a waiting time. This is natural because of the heavier workload in the public hospital. And the heavier workload in the public hospital is a result of the affordability of the treatment there when there's a government grant subsidy and all that. So um, definitely uh, there's this main difference there. And then obviously um, there are some differences in protocols. The private centres will be able to offer you a more individualised, personalised plan because you're seeing uh, the same doctor will be scanning you and then uh, tracking your follicles and eventually doing all the necessary procedures for you. Whereas in the public sector, you might be, in fact, you'll most often be seeing different doctors on the team. And so you might feel slightly lost. And this is natural, again, because of the heavier workload. Mm. So um, this is, I mean, the way things are. La. So private centres um, are definitely driven by service standards and effective outcomes. So um, that's why patients have this, um, uh, probably have this uh, uh, belief mm. that the private centres uh, have uh, higher success, out- uh, successful outcomes and all that. Mm. But um, public hospitals are also subjected to audits la, and they are obliged to monitor and maintain their success rates as well. So it's not as though um, the patient will be at the mercy of a system right. that is not performing in at least the essential. So it's, it's just, um, I mean, waiting time and yeah. you know feeling that the plan will be more individualised. Dr. Jadison, I do want to bring up a hidden cost of a different kind. Uh, mm. And by this, I mean emotional costs. Well, um, I've, I've seen videos of like uh, influencers from overseas, right, where the husband has to be involved. Uh, there is some injection that needs to be done. Again, I, I don't understand a whole lot, but the husband feels in pain each time he has to do this to the wife. Um, he sees the wife's mood constantly changing, hormonal changes. I mean, what are some of your observations and, and, and what should couples emotionally prepare themselves for? Mm. I mean, definitely, because IBS is a very strange uh treatment in the sense that um, sometimes the reason I mean the reason for the IVF treatment is often on both sides yeah. um, or sometimes mainly on the male side even like a low sperm count for instance yeah, yeah. but yet the, uh, the really the burden of the treatment is on the female mm. I mean there's just no way around it the, the physical uh, burden is on the female so therein lies a you know discrepancy and that puts a lot of strain and stress on the relationship. I don't think it's that the husband doesn't feel anything or what. It's more like, yeah, he feels helpless. You get what I mean? Because he's not, yeah, he's physically not um, the one uh, very much involved. But yet, you know, he has to support the wife. Mm. And yes, the hormonal injections do throw the the lady's moods uh, off, you know. Then they get uh, mood swings, they get bloated. They don't feel well, you know. They don't feel like themselves. So that that is one part of it, and then um, yeah, they they may take it out on the husband also, and yet the husband has to still remain quite supportive. So so there's a lot of these um, uh, things that we observe. Yeah. yeah. So the important thing is communication between the two, 
I mean, honestly, if a relationship can last through this, right, it it's will true. generally last. <laughs> yes, it's yeah, because uh, a lot of strain, yes. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, the other thing is, um, um, besides that, is the stress and anxiety of waiting for results. Mm. I have yeah. a friend who went through a few cycles not successful and just before she turned 40 she said you know what forget about this IVF thing mm. and I guess there were a bit of leftover hormones boom she had twins yeah I this mean, is very common yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> stress is the biggest enemy for a woman in this and let's face it sometimes a lot of times men are guilty of that what would your advice be I mean just to simply say uh relax and enjoy the process it just isn't enough anymore is it yes it's really very um difficult to just you know you know you tell somebody relax and you relax so one thing i mean i try to give more practical uh tips so one of the main things is to um ask the couples to not make this ivf treatment um like a priority mm. in their lives. Like mm, it is mm, like the only thing in their lives right now. You get what I mean? It yeah. feels that way, but I want them to sort of like treat it as a side project. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, something that they're doing together like a side project. And oh. then um, for and then carry on activities as they would, you know, like a couple, you know, for their yeah. relationship, yeah. Like anything else that they want to do and all that. Yeah, so um, for the IVF, um, treatment itself, we try not to um, be too disruptive. Okay. Uh, yeah, on their lives and everything, we try to streamline, make it more convenient, like that. Yeah, so that mm. um, that takes away the strain. And aside from IVF, as I mean, as you said, your your friend got pregnant naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea is yes, uh, you no know, natural chances are always there. So um, they also need to have uh, you know their own love making and everything outside of IVF. Mm. Yeah. So mm. so yeah. So I I. I mean, we, we, we try to advise them how to do so and all that, the frequency and everything. And yeah, we offer suggestions how to take the pressure off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Be normal, keep the romance up. That goes a long way. Just one last question, Dr. And just mm. this is purely a curious one. Would you recommend for other couples that maybe can't do that, perhaps a bit of pre-IVF counselling or even during IVF to go for couples counselling just to get it out there and, 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 and be real in front of a mediator? You never know, it might help, but what are your thoughts? Mm, I suppose uh, that may or may not help because not okay, okay. I, I mean, every couple is different. You yeah, see? So some yeah. couples work well with having a third party involved, a mediator and all that, and mm. somebody to bounce their thoughts off. But not every couple is that. Some couples are a bit more private and that sure. might just be even more uh, strenuous for them oh, to sure. undergo okay. that. So certainly it cannot be made compulsory uh, <laughs> for everybody. Mm-mm. So uh, maybe, yeah, as a uh, um, to offer it as an option and all that, you know? So, yeah. And what also if... maybe, yeah, join, I mean, uh, sharing yeah. like yeah. with other couples going through the same thing. So joining groups, forums, these kind of things, yeah. Mm. Important to remember that this is a partnership decision. It is a 50-50 decision. Um, and you just got to have that attitude throughout the entire process uh, as much as we are individuals, even though we're married, right? Uh, wow, this has been really insightful. I truly appreciate your time. I've been speaking with Dr. Janice Tung, consultant at Thompson Fertility Centre. Dr. Janice, thank you again for your time. Thank you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.